0: Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. You're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of immersive connection and communication. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, we have three special guests for our special four-person show. We're joined by Kieran Bat. Welcome, Kieran. Hello, Vidu. nice to be back. Effie Gunawan, welcome Effie. Hi, Dave. And Mahesh Subramanian, welcome. Hey, thanks. Yeah, so it's so good. So we we brought the all-star team here together today, and this is gonna be a little different than our normal tech talks, because we're gonna be doing visioneering today. We're gonna paint really something we talk about a lot at Roblox, which is the future of communication. That future of communication is composed of immersive 3D simulated communication, Uh, where we're represented by an avatar, um, where our avatar isn't just static. It can do things together. We can play hide-and-go-seek, we can go to school, we can simulate that we're in the Roblox office, and ultimately a Roblox avatar that feels really realistic and close and near and dear to what we're doing. So um, hang on for a technical product uh, roller coaster ride as we touch on all of this. But before we dive in, first, maybe just like quick background First, Mahesh and Kiran, how did we meet?
1: Yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting. It was in 2020, in the middle of the, the pandemic uh, phase where we had a, a meeting outside in a safe uh, environment uh, where we got to hang out with you and talk about the vision of avatars and 3D. This was when Mahesh and I had uh, uh, our startup Loom AI. And that meeting changed the course of uh, our interactions uh, with you and with the the company.
2: Yeah, we were looking at uh, digital avatars, expressiveness, personalization, but uh, for an image-based or video-based communication setup. And uh, we were always dreaming about shared 3D spaces when we met you, (laughs) and boom,
0: magic. We were like, wow. It was, kind of, it was somewhat magical, the magic I remember. Effie, what, how did we meet?
3: I have an interesting story. Yeah. So two years ago, two ye- a little over two years ago, Manuel moved to Roblox. And I've worked with Manuel for several years at Google. And I was curious about, hmm, what is Roblox? And you know, I started listening to Tech Talk podcasts this the, podcast the, this podcast the okay. first podcast i that's listened to that's kind of to. recursive
0: right yeah, right like the thing that brought you here you're doing right
3: yeah now. and as mahesh and karan introduce himself themselves it it's basically the same podcast as what i listened to two years ago and it was karan and you talking about avatars and and ai and how the tech the ai tech could help people express themselves and to me that was i felt like i spiritually met you through your vision and um, I was I was sold, like, here I am.
0: Okay, well, uh, there's probably going to be thousands of people that are spiritually meeting you after <laughs> this goes live. And so we're probably going to have a lot more people being recruited, not just because of me, but because of this group today. So, okay, so we're going to take a step back and talk about the history of communication. We've shared this at RDC, the notion that people are always trying to figure out a way to be together at a distance if they can. And we've seen this with smoke signals. Mm -hmm. We've seen this with the mail system. We've seen this with the telegraph system. We've seen this with the phone system. Um, In the midst of COVID, of course, um, we saw this in video. And at Roblox, I think we feel there's one more step here. And, And that is the step where uh, we can recreate not just a video screen, but a 3D situation uh, that can work on any device, phone, tablet, computer, VR, headset. And we, it's not just that we can be to communicate, but once we put people in 3D simulated environments, there's a lot more things we can do. We can have um, meetings like this, where we, we look around and see who we're looking at, which is a lot more immersive than that video screen. Uh, like we said, we can play hide and go seek, um, and we can actually, we could get up and run away from here, which we can't do on a Zoom call. And then something really interesting we'll talk about is communication and serendipitous communication as we get that. So when we think about this, um, that seems like a lot. Some of us have seen, uh, Star Trek in the holodeck. Some, um, some of us imagine this working on a phone. Sometimes this will work in the holodeck, but there's various components of this, and And those components include everyone has a great avatar. Um, That avatar more and more can be simulated at high speed. Uh, We can move around and that we can communicate. So we're gonna kind of break this whole problem down and talk about all the pieces. And then hopefully when they come together, everyone's gonna imagine, okay, if we have all those pieces, we're gonna see it. And so we'll start with great avatars. And um, it's interesting, when we first met, and we were looking at avatars. Our avatars were very constrained almost in a certain look and feel, right. that classic Roblox avatar. They did have some elements of the notion of personalization mm-hmm. and they had some elements that the community loves. We, we knew it from day one of communicating it. Then you worked on like movies, right? <laughs> like you worked on really great movies. So how did you think, you know, when, when we first met that Kind of extension from those initial avatars to the types of avatars we see in movies.
1: Yeah, so, uh, avatars are the are, are the means of representing yourself in three D, and so the the limits are endless. Um, and you know, starting from something that we had a few years ago, where the avatars are very simple, all the way to movie avatars, which are very expressive. The, the entire gamut is what is the exciting aspect of avatars on a platform like Roblox. And each one of those um, have elements in, in them that have to work well for them to be lovable and successful. Yeah. When you have uh, really photorealistic avatars at the other end of the spectrum, you wanna make sure that you, you don't fall into the uncanny valley. So the more fidelity you bring into the avatars, the expectations of the users are also high. So there is like a fine balance where avatars are both very fun and engaging, but also what users connect uh, with themselves. And so the styles may be very simplistic to begin with, but they can still be very engaging. So so basically the spectrum is very important and different people connect with different styles of avatars. So when yeah. when we spoke that was one really important uh, element that we understood right away that there's a large audience of users, uh, both from Roblox and, and people who had used Lumi Live and other things that we had built, uh, which, which people identified with. And then there, there are all these characters which are on the big screen that people identified with. And the important thing of all of those is that there is an element of a human behind these avatars. That's right. So with, these, with the movie avatars, the successful ones are built with elements of the actor, uh, both in how they are built uh, to look like in, in their appearance and how they move.
0: I don't know if when we first met, we were already talking the notion that we have to do this very difficult thing where we have this very classic Roblox avatar, everyone loves it, and at the same time, in a sense, that has to be subsumed in a style-free technology where any avatar style that anyone wants to build has to be successful. I forget, were we talking about that early on? Yes, we
2: actually got onto a a video call when we were talking. And to prove it to ourselves, we came into the call as a Roblox-looking avatar. Right. And so we could show that using the same schema or parameterization behind the scenes on something which looks maybe more realistic or a more legacy stylized character, they both can animate and express the same way. And I think that uh, made you also realize that, wow, the same technologies that we built can be applied across all these styles and that makes it uh, uh, more universal.
0: Right, so we had this idea, even when we met, that we're gonna migrate our avatar system to one that supports any style. That's right. We, we also had the notion that to do this, just like the experiences on Roblox, we needed a UGC avatar system. Mm-hmm. We are right in the middle of that mm-hmm. right now, right? I think it was it's only been a month since we started to allow people to build UGC-type avatars. But I, I guess I'm kind of optimistic. Like, how's that going? Yeah,
1: like, that that is going really well. I think that also brings this unique challenge in Roblox that the styles are... All over the spectrum, but then they all have to be interoperable and have and share a schema that allows you to transition between different experiences with your avatar. and if you are a UGC uh, creator, um, what we expect from you is build an asset that you like and then we do the rest. We that's make right. the schema. Uh, that works within the Roblox universe. And and that is where a lot of the new innovations in AI have been helping to take something that looks like a mesh with a face and a body and then automatically convert them into a fully animatable living schema compliant Roblox avatar.
0: Okay, so now we'll do a little round the horn on everyone's Roblox avatar today. Are, how, how, where is everyone with your avatar? Are, are you UGC? Are you custom? Like, what's your avatar look like? So I
1: have I have both a UGC avatar, actually a custom avatar, yeah, uh, a blocky style avatar, and a little more Pixarish, cartoony avatar, which was, you know, hand you know, built with the technology internally. It's not out there yet, so it's it's uh, still work in progress. But the the avatars
0: uh, have two styles. Okay, and how about you, Afi?
3: I love my avatar. What I, is your avatar I, look my like? My avatar looks like me. I feel like it represents myself. It's really creative. It's wearing this really cute cat shoes that I bought in the marketplace and Young. then I'm wearing this like all white clothing from top to bottom. <laughs> I feel like it's it's amazing. Like I can be any anyone I want and so change. Th- so one my of shoes. the
0: key w- um, parts of that is is those cat shoes. No matter whose avatar we have, making them work on your avatar, and so that—that's when you say schema. I think what we mean is, any piece of clothing, any accessory works on any avatar. One of the things we're talking about, and I think we'll I'll, we'll go off topic a little, is I I think. I'm hopeful that ultimately when we go shop for our avatars and for clothing, it's, it's more and more like we're going to Stanford Shopping Center or something. And, and literally, if, if we have a favorite brand, we can go into the store for that brand and find what we want. Have, so were you able to find all of the stuff you wanted? Or you know, was there any area where you couldn't find what you really wanted for your avatar?
3: so far i've been so i love fashion i actually love uh, shoes dresses and different colors so far it's been fun exploring things on roblox but yeah i'm hoping we'll see more and more for instance like i'm from indonesia things that indonesian people create or something that is more unique to where i am yeah i think that and that paints the vision right? right if you
0: have a favorite designer or store where you would actually want to shop there I think we'll know we've really made it when you can go shop for your avatar there. Yeah,
3: exactly. But I love how in real life for me to show up at work with my cat shoes, that would be pretty awkward. But on Roblox, I can literally hang out with Karan and you with my awesome cat shoes. <laughs> okay, but
0: haven't we said at our all hands meetings that Roblox is a 24 seven costume company? <laughs> all right, so tomorrow I'll so wear, you wear could, my cat shoes. You do you not judge. Do that, actually. Okay, and, and, and one more thing I would just add to that
2: uh, is uh, that uh, you know, recently I had to purchase a suit for myself and I went and got it custom fitted. So that's an important aspect. It's not just that we can go find clothing brands and styles that we like, but we can actually customize it to fit our avatar. So you might buy an oversized jacket, and, but if you want it to be tighter fitting, yeah, you can do it. So we're building all these tools to not just lay all these layers on top of each other, but also fit and play well together. Right. Um, and just in an, in an avatar, again, uh, talking about uh, my, my avatar, similar to Kiran, I think I have a, a playful avatar and I have a, a work avatar where in the work avatar, I'm looking for some likeness. Yeah. Something where without too much prompting, people know that it's, oh, that's Mahesh. Mm-hmm. But in the playful avatar, I want people to just know that I like shoes. Mm-hmm. So hey, they can just spot me by saying, once they know that I've got that funky shoe, then everybody knows every time that that's me, so.
0: And I think that likeness is um, a good hint for where we're gonna go later on that show. So right now we've all, okay, so we've all got avatars. We have ways of creating them. The styles are expanding. Clothing works on every avatar. We can build that avatar. Um, But if we just have those avatars, they're static. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did with your company, and we're gonna do more and more, is rather than putting on a mocap suit, or rather than doing that, using whatever we can, the camera lip syncing to bring that avatar to life, yeah. more than just what I would do with ASDW or more what I would do with you know virtual thumb pads or a game controller. Can you talk a little, Mahesh, about what bringing your avatar to life means? Yeah, I think this is really
2: critical. The ease of expression and the immediacy of expression is really important you don't want to be searching for the button to say, hey, I'm happy with what happened. You just want to show it. And we just instinctively react when the four of us are sitting here, and so we want that. And the way we are looking at that is, can we capture signals from the user more naturally? Can this camera, whatever it's pointing at, and however far it goes, can it capture my mannerisms, my emotions, and translate it to my avatar?
0: That's right. And so... Couple highlights, PII compliant, very thoughtful about at what age we would transmit what information, but even at younger ages, there's some information we can use. And so phase one is face, yep. and uh, it actually seems amazing. We are live now with full facial animation, which is absolutely amazing. We've been talking about that for a while. Um, how does that work? Like,
2: Yeah, so... So we are, uh, again, behind the scenes, we are tracking from the camera, we are tracking the person's, uh, what we call fax, or facial action coding system, and we are only transmitting these animation curves. Yep. So there's no data of the user being transmitted. We are able to take these uh, 50 movements of your face, move it to the cloud, and then we are able to Translated to any avatar you have
0: so right now AI is super hot and everyone's talking about visionary um, Generative AI and synthetic AI But this is a piece of AI that I like because it's actually been worked on for several years It's got a lot of hot buzzwords right client side Mm hyper-efficient client side inference training all of that And it's it's live in production for millions of people exciting. This is uh, really exciting
2: and we are looking forward to starting to step back even further so you've seen the face yeah and the next is to get some upper body movement because you can get body language from Mm -hmm. your shoulders the relative positioning of Mm -hmm. my face um, and uh, you know some of the subtleties moving on all the way to maybe i want to stand back and do a dance
0: so upper body is interesting right because we um we just shipped on metaquest yay so awesome (laughs) you can use hand controllers Mm -hmm. on MetaQuest. And so some of the things you might try to do in the real world, reach, grasp, grab things, it's a lot harder to simulate those hand controllers Mm -hmm. like right now on an iPad or a PC. So in addition to, I think, one thing that the community might be interested in, in addition to picking up the body language of that upper body, maybe hint at, whoa, like you might actually be able to use that to reach in and pick something up in a virtual world or something, which is really exciting. Absolutely, I think
2: we can take the 3D space concept and us being in the same experience together to the next level. This will go beyond what you can do in video. Because if I can reach out and say hi-fi to you, or we both can, oh, excellent, (laughs) we can do it in real life, but soon in Roblox. And if you're able to pass things on, you can imagine the communication. You've seen how, Rather than getting on a phone call, if you went for a meeting where you walked together, or you That's had a right. coffee together, how much more enriching and more engaging it is. So doing things together while communicating That's right. can only happen in a platform like ours.
0: And now that leads to one final thing. On, on the Roblox Developer Conference, we made 10 predictions for the next five years. One of them was that someone would perform live to a million people on Roblox. And I think the traditional way that musicians perform live is they put on a mocap suit and they go to a studio for a few days. But that's not what we were talking about, was it?
2: Yeah, this is again very natural. You're not, it's basically again the ease of tracking and transferring. To so these so what that would
0: look like in real life is literally put a phone up on a tripod and hang out in front
2: of it, exactly. And do your performance, and and, and B, and, and this, there's a lot going on behind the scenes because the camera sees what it can, and there are sections it can see, and we want to uh, gracefully extend what it can see, and uh, you know, in some cases, uh, it might, you know, it has to be pretty robust to lighting and camera shake, and, and that's right, yeah.
0: And this creates a really interesting opportunity because in traditional immersive uh, video gaming experiences and other experiences, we're always trying to figure out how to manipulate the character. We're trying to figure out with our gamepad or whatever how to do that. As we start to have both of those inputs, mm-hmm. and I start to have a mouse, and ASDW, mm-hmm. and an avatar, mm-hmm. where we blend movement from ASDW, where we blend movement from your avatar it's gonna be very interesting. I'm actually very optimistic, and I think one of the design goals would be um, not just full body, but movement as well. Mm-hmm. Could we infer movement? Mm-hmm. Could you put your phone in, and gesture where you're gonna move? So there's a, the AI tech is gonna really drive that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we've, we've talked about uh, having a great avatar. We've talked about controlling the movement mm-hmm. of it so it looks real, but now we have to start communicating and uh, we did something very interesting in the last year and two. As we started to introduce voice on Roblox, how's that been going, Epi?
3: Yeah, it's super exciting. It's actually a different kind of voice product than the typical products that people use today. It's spatial voice. Yeah. It's really exciting because it's like 3D. You know, when I want to talk to you, I kind of uh, approach you, and then when I call you from far away. I increase my voice so you can hear me. And then I can whisper in the background is I just want to say something really quick. And it's really cool because there is no awkwardness with like Zoom breakout or like 2D breakout rooms. You're not just talking to a tile on the screen, but it's actually making you feel like you are in the same room, um, even when you're far apart. And to me, uh, you know, personally, it means a lot because I talk to my family and friends so far yeah. away, on other side of the world. And it's tough doing it over the phone line because it's it feels very flat and um, it doesn't feel like we, we are in the same space. But with spatial voice, you will feel like you're in the same space together, even like going to concerts. You can um, whisper in the background in a concert or you can yell together, sing together. Yeah, so yeah, that spatial voice.
0: You're, you're, well, you're highlighting something really interesting that I feel we take for granted in the real world, and that is the physics of the way audio works, mm-hmm. and N-squared fall off, and the, where, the way sound works, it allows us to go to a concert with 100,000 people, get close and hear what my friend is saying, hear the roar of the crowd, and then hear the big speakers up front. And that is impossible to do on a video screen with a lot of squares. It also, um, as you mentioned with your family, I think creates serendipity. So then something gets really complicated here. And this is a a bit of a visionary thing. Um, In physical reality, we can all be chatting in 3D and then my phone can ring and I can still talk to my friends at the same time. Is there a metaphor for that in immersive experiences?
3: Absolutely. In fact, that's what make uh, our spatial voice so special because you're not bounded by physical limitation, real world limitation. Like you can be in a concert, the concert example, you and I can be hanging out at the concert and, and then Mahesh can call me from other side of the world. And then I can go to the back and talk to Mahesh and even tell my hey Mahesh, did you hear what, what the uh, the artist is singing. So, truly, you can move from one space to another without having to be constrained with the uh, uh, physical bounds.
0: Yeah, and I think you're hinting at, at maybe a very elegant future for immersive 3D environments, which is the support of both 3D spatial communication as well as the communication we might do on a phone or That's something right. like that.
1: And in fact, we also have the APIs that the sound, uh, the audio team just released that can do exactly what you just mentioned, which is use the the, the APIs for, you know, have a walkie talkie simulation uh, in, in a spatial world. And so you can be at a concert, have a walkie talkie talking to your friends and all of what you think uh, is needed for spatial togetherness while having the ability to communicate with someone who is not spatially there
0: we've actually been very deliberate and gentle in our rollout of voice, and we've actually been very careful. We, we started with ID validated users. We've backed into certain levels of validation. Um, I think our audience knows why, but can you share?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the foundations of communi- future of communication, how we think about communication on Roblox is the first two you've covered, which is the first one um, being like real world with spatial voice. Second one was uh, without being limited by physical boundaries. The third one is something that is so unique. And to me, this is how, why I feel like I'm so proud of being part of Roblox, because we're keeping our promise for safety and civility and that's so unique to us because we don't just get things out there ASAP instead we take the deliberate approach we want to make sure our community is safe and um, that results in two things first one is uh, we're taking a couple years until today to roll it out broadly to U.S. phone verified users as well as users in majority English countries. We have millions of people using spatial voice every day. And then on the second one is, we're using AI tech to scale. And this is so much fun for me to work on. It brings my passion on AI as well as actually helping people connect in a civil manners. And the latest launch we had was real time voice toxicity detection. It's a really hard problem. I don't think anybody else will solve it other than us and we use it in such an elegant way that we are detecting things in real time and then we remind people to be civil. So um, the the thesis behind it is we don't wanna just punish people, moderate people, but actually, when we start detecting probable abuse, we wanna start educating people so that they have a chance to reform.
0: So this is, um, this is a really big unpack and it's really interesting. Um, Um, there's a cost thing here going on and uh, you know Roblox has a fairly large infrastructure hundreds of thousands of servers around the world that are supporting 3d simulation the challenge I feel to the from the safety team is can we run inference on that same grid and run it at high performance and it sounds like we have Um, we're doing it very cost effectively Mm -hmm. the other um, thing is a user interface um, paradigm of how this would work and I'm wondering if I can share the anecdote I had recently. So, um, we we built our Roblox office simulation and so I do all of my one-on-ones in Monday in Roblox office. Mm-hmm. So, the, I have various meetings with my avatar using voice. We're we're in a special conference room we hang out and do things and I was I was having a one on one meeting with one of the executives in the company. We were getting very excited about something, like really excited. So I you know, I did the WTF and like high five, and all of a sudden got this nice little hey, heads up. Um, you know, and, and the reason was at that point our Roblox office is running in a public square level of moderation. It's it's running at the civility standard of a place on Roblox and like, I, I could tell, oh my gosh, this wasn't acceptable. Can you comment on that and will we some someday be able to swear in Roblox office when we turn it into more private mode? Like I think we will.
3: Yeah, so for safety and civility, it's always context aware depending on where you are, whether you are one-to-one, private, public space, as well as um, the the age rating of the experience. So when you are in 17 plus, uh, you, you can say more things than when you are in all ages space. And when you are in private mode, we respect your privacy. Uh, with consent and verification, so that's definitely part of our principles in building the product.
0: Okay, cool. So that I think that's you're you're highlighting one of the complexities of building a platform that people of all ages use, is is spreading that kind of personalized, appropriate level of civility at all places. Um, but it was it was a, an amazing show off of our technology it was one of the more unexpected things and can you and then we, we've mentioned that there's organic behavior that's starting to come out of voice things that we didn't initially expect and so when we we started layering like a lot of technologies for 3D immersive the hope is you you build it as a utility at high performance and then you see unexpected things mm-hmm. like people using it for education or people using it for concerts. Uh, Can you share what we've seen on voice in that area?
3: So my favorite example is uh, the NCT 127 K-pop meet and greet. It's so much fun. Uh, I watched several videos. There are so many videos online and it's about this famous Korean band uh, getting on Roblox and then people all around the world, they get to meet them. You don't have to be where they are. And then they started saying, hey, repeat after me. And everybody was repeating after them. And it was just like, I felt I was there. It was insane. Yeah, that was my favorite example.
0: So that feeling of being there, I think our thesis would be in certain situations in immersive 3D with that level of communication, starting to get that feeling. And when people have that feeling, we'll start seeing people communicate in more and more diverse ways in this tech.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Super cool. Okay. And then so we we touched a little on AI um, on the safety side. We touched a little on AI on the movement side. So secretly on the movement side, we're running high-perf inference. Every client right now, you know, in the midst of so much excitement around AI, there's a the whole excitement around generative AI. Mm-hmm. And we all know someday whether it's for fashion. Um, I think for fashion we used to think what would be really cool is simulating project runway with a digital sewing machine and digital cloth and mannequins. I think we're starting to think even well beyond that now that some fashion designers will design purely by verbal prompt and they'll say I'd like a sweater, I'd like it dark blue, like the collar to be a tab collar and, and kind of build in that way. Um, um, on avatar Mm -hmm. we hinted earlier on the notion that people are going to want both a infinite number of avatar styles Um, i might want to be you know pick your favorite style that's out there from a movie from a video game or more realistic but they might want to look more like themselves as well and so that's that's something we're working on. That's really exciting. It it's almost goes to some of the early research you were doing. Can you share a bit about that, Karina? Yeah,
1: it's a uh, that's a, that's a a topic that is in very active R&D within the company. And you brought up two really interesting points. One is the the uh, the number of styles that we want our users to experience. That should be limitless. Yeah. And then the identity, the you know, bringing elements of yourself into the style, but doing it safely. Yep. So, so there's there's the there's the safety aspect of generative AI, which is a foundational piece of the the version that we are building, uh, which is the three D generative AI, which is safe, yep. and then the the flexibility of uh, of styles, and so um, there's a proliferation of gen AI in in the two D space uh, with with stable diffusion being a primary a source of inspiration, and then. There's, there's been techniques like ControlNet, which is uh, co-invented by somebody at Roblox, um, which allows people to create a lot of content in 2D, Yeah. but that has not yet translated into 3D, mm-hmm. and the research community has done a number of interesting approaches for 3D generative AI, Nerves and other uh, examples come to mind, but none of those techniques are ready for use in an actual game engine, yep. let alone being useful for avatars. So, so we are at, at some level the the uh, at a cutting edge of 3D generative AI for avatars because avatars bring a, another level of complexity. It's you, so you have to identify it as a user. It has to move correctly, so yeah. it's not a static thing, and it has to be rendered, you know, it has to relight correctly if you take the avatar from a from one experience to the other. So uh, everything that makes 2D stable diffusion type outputs look really beautiful because it, it has lighting baked in and what yep. have you, won't
0: work in 3D, so. Uh, well, I think this is really um, actually nice to hear because there's so many entrepreneurs out there trying to solve the generative 3D problem. And I, and I know, it, hearing from you that this is a very difficult problem, um, maybe actually is helpful <laughs> to them. You know, it, it's not just text and then image. The jump to 3D is, is rather significant.
1: Phenomenally hard. And
0: the reminder there is
2: that when we think of an avatar, don't think of it as the skin yeah. on the surface. The avatar has all of this muzzle, joints, inside, that's what brings it to life. And that's the really hard problem. So when we talk about generative AI here for 3D, we are building a skin or the out, outer mesh and texture, but we are also building the entire
0: um, rig or that's musculature right. in, Tec- inside. Technically, inside our avatars, there are joints, there are bones, yeah. there are things controlling the face muscles, all of that. And so, th- getting to 3D is not the final step.
1: That's right, and we are approaching it in two steps. Right, one is uh, you know building the avatars and then the accessories. So those are those are sort of combined together. But even to get there, we are rolling out technologies to the U- to our UGC first, right. where the UGC uh, creators can input meshes. So they they give us meshes, and then we do the rest. We build the the musculature and the rigs and everything. So that's. That is one way of getting more 3D data. I think it's,
0: it's, that's an elegant decomposition of the problem, arguably. And definitely people, artists today, can make amazing avatars. As you mentioned, those avatars do not have all of the physical characteristics that can swap them into a real-time environment. That's right. So that it, I think what I've heard here is there's one very difficult problem, which is 2D to 3D. There's a second very difficult problem, which is 3D to physically simulated 3D with fax controls that we can do. And And we have to do both of those.
1: Exactly, and I think both of those can happen in parallel. That's right. And our strategy has been to open up this second piece, which is going from a mesh to to an animatable uh, avatar, which is by itself one of the hardest things Mm -hmm. to do as an artist. Uh, we are we are automating. And that I'm
0: extremely it. excited about that <laughs> <laughs> because it does mean for the traditional crafting mode yeah. Those avatars will automatically be ingested into Roblox and, and be th- able to
2: and use. just imagine the fact that we are Able to automate that means they're all interoperable as well. That's right because now You might build a very stylized creature and you might go build a realistic head but both of them can be driven by the same technologies we have. That's correct. So that's pretty powerful.
1: And one other aspect of all of these uh, uh, sort of auto rigging as we call it uh, is auto setup of avatars. It comes with all the pieces of the schema that allows you to apply any accessories on these avatars. So you build that's a shell right. and then all of a sudden it is alive and this is ready for any kind of accessorization within the platform. So, that's the combinatorial explosion of uh, content that we, uh, we can enable by having all these different pieces be independent, but a UGC can bring a piece of content in and it suddenly it works across all the combinations. Right. And the second step, of course, is can you also automate uh, uh, the process of creating these shells Uh, from prompts or photographs? Well,
0: the the prompt thing is really interesting because um, prompts are right now the chat GPT line and what people Mm -hmm. think of that. I I think when we think of prompts, ultimately it's gonna be somewhat unlimited, right? It's gonna be text, it's gonna be a selfie of yourself. It it could even be a a snapshot of something you like or a hand sketch all of that, so it's exciting to imagine kind of any set of, or collection of prompts to help build your avatar.
1: That's right, and and I think the, the collection of prompts are the input to a system that can translate the prompts into a style, which in turn can be projected, right. lifted into 3D, as we call it. And so there are two logical steps here, going from prompts to something that is an internal representation of a style, and then from the style to a 3D output, and then from the 3D output
0: to, to an image. Which avatar. is a three-way decomposition. Three-way decomposition. Um, okay, so now as, as we start to wrap this up, and so we've done kind of a whirlwind tour here. For a closing thought, which I was thinking about, imagining it's X number of years in the future, we have just so much computing power, that 3D immersive simulation is a solved problem almost like you might say word processing is a solved problem today like <laughs> you know most word processors have enough compute power and they they work the way and then we were all picking our avatars i think it brings up an interesting question of would we want to have a photorealistic exactly the same avatar would we go to one of our favorite designers and have a designer avatar? Uh, would we use one of our favorite movie characters? Would we create our own? Um, what is everyone thinking about? Like, I'm kind of imagining I would have something photorealistic but like a little cool movie adjustment to it or something, <laughs> so I'd look really cool or something like a movie star. And it's almost like when you take that best selfie, you know how you have 100 or 200 selfies, one of them is just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like that's the one I like. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking like I would have that. Are you thinking photorealistic or are you thinking cartoony or what, where do you think you yeah, would go?
2: The best part is we don't have to decide for our uh, users. We give them all the choices.
0: And we give them
2: an easy way to intuitively create what they are thinking of. Because it's not enough just to have the power to create it, it has to be easy and intuitive on how you build it. And uh, I can see a world where you have multiple personas depending on the situation. You go into a work setting, you have something which matches your likeness, a little bit more formally dressed maybe, and uh, then you go with your friends and it's, it's party attire. And uh, you're maybe a creature. So um, I think we will uh, enable all.
0: Because you'll have several likenesses. Cool, (laughs) Effie, how about you? The creation piece excites
3: me the most because that's where I feel like everybody can create and people can collaborate. So that's going to be awesome because a lot of people, only some people, can create and distribute their creations to a lot of people. But guess what, imagine if everybody in the world, they can be connected and build things together. If I can collaborate with my niece somewhere in Indonesia and then we can build shoes together and you can buy our shoes and then um, it's beyond what's possible physically. I know, I think personally, I would still look like me, but I think I will be a lot more creative in terms of what I wear.
0: Got it, so the co-creation of of who you are, actually, it would be done with others as well. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Carolina? Yeah,
1: I, I think two two answers. One is for a professional type uh, setting. I think it is still a, a great challenge to hit the the photoreal avatar yeah. bar. I think we should, uh, as a as a technology in you know initiative, we will continue working on reaching that bar without hitting the uncanny valley problem especially if you have to have this running on all kinds of devices mid-range low-end devices so getting that technical capability to build something that truly looks like you moves like you behaves like you that your grandmother can connect with and i mean so that that is one axis i think is uh, Mm a is a is an important direction for us to continue working on 10 years down as well and the other axis i think is you know uh what my kids would love me to be if, they, if I have to hang out with them. And, and that might be a very playful version, as you said. Uh, so so the, both the axes are important. I think the, 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 the thing with these generative um, models is that it gives us a, a window into building avatars that we can iteratively refine yeah. and, and be with different signals, uh, prompts, uh, and having the context of what you've liked before to help build new content for you is another very powerful as- aspect of this uh, journey.
0: Super exciting, and you just um, triggered a fun idea for me of what is the dad-optimized avatar. <laughs> like, uh, now i got to think about that one a lot. Um, great. Well... Thank you so much uh, for all of you for together painting this picture, really, of uh, the next step in digital communication. It's been wonderful to have you all on the show.
3: Yeah, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you Thank you, so you much. for having us.
0: Yeah, okay, so the, hey, this is Dave Bazuki. This is Tech Talks. We get together often to discuss the future of technology at Roblox. Join us next time. Thank you.